0: Listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Episode 64 The Lord of the Rings, Ralph Bakshi style. So many miniskirts.
1: Hear ye, hear ye. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers. Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, Ralph Bakshi, and everything in between. We are your Middle-Earth hosts tonight. I bring you Morgan Stradling, Merchant of Gilbert, lover of animation and tamer of ferocious little shaggy puppies. Huzzah! Hail, Morgan.
0: Thank you. How do you do?
1: And also Chelsea Robson, minstrel of the land of Nashville, bringing her love of song to brighten our dreary podcast in the darkest night. Hail Chelsea Robson. Huzzah! And I am Mason Smith, creator of artistic moving automatons, and student of the Mystic College of Texas A&M, and aspiring animation wizard, I bid thee all hello. (laughs) Yay, (laughs) Thundertube!
0: Hello, everybody! hello, hello! Hello! So, for those of you who are new to our show, we are the Animation Addicts, also known as the Rotoscopers, and this is our show, the Animation Addicts podcast, where we talk about an animated film, past or present, and in case you haven't been able to figure out, we are venturing back in time, we are doing a period animated film, uh, Lord of the Rings, directed by Ralph Bakshi. Huzzah! Huzzah! This will be Chelsea's new favorite word in (laughs) throughout the duration of the episode. (laughs) I think I'm done. I'm
2: done. Well, last week we were going to have something on there that a lot of people were like asking about. And that is our Nerdy Cows discussion. Uh, but we decided to hold off because Mason wasn't there, and so this time we are going to be bringing you our fantastically much-awaited Nerdy Cows discussion on
0: Horses of Disney. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm getting vibes of spirit from two episodes ago. <laughs> hey,
1: Matt Taman, get out of here. <laughs> This will be the crowning moment of all of our horse episodes. Of course, The Lord of the Rings has horse and horses in it, but
0: it has Bill like... the Pony, so that's how that's the tie-in. Oh,
1: little Bill, <laughs> who gets who gets horribly murdered in the Right? Movie?
0: <laughs> right?
2: I was like, oh my gosh, they're like leaving pretty- Bill.
1: It's not like Peter Jackson's, where it's just like, go home, Bill, and Bill like trots home. Yeah. The watcher in the water totally swallows him up.
0: <laughs> I, so, uh, oh I have to
1: go gosh. back. To, I have to go back to the book and figure out if that's what happened.
0: I would be so surprised. Anyways,
1: <laughs> yeah. So this is going to be our super sweet nerdy couch discussion on Disney horses. And thank you for waiting until I was back from my exile under a mountain of animation homework. So now we can enjoy this nerdy couch discussion with y'all. The theme of Disney horse. Horses has been in Disney films like like up until recently, like Tangled had a Maximus, but it even goes back to horses with names in Snow White, like in the first animated feature for Disney. Mm-hmm. And it goes it goes back even further than that because there were horses in the Walt Disney cartoons.
0: Yes. Lots of Disney horses. I think the first is Horace Horsecaller, who you can't forget about him, even though Disney seems to forget about him from time to time. But he is sort of like part of the original Disney horse gang.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And here's a little bit of uh, trivia. Who was the very first
2: original voice of Horace Horsecollar?
1: Probably Walt Disney, since he was Mickey Mouse's voice. No. Uh, uh, Bill Farmer.
2: Yeah! Oh, yes! What? I was totally guessing. Bill was Farmer?
1: Like,
2: <laughs> that was one of his trivias
0: on that episode. That's true, in our interview with him. Yeah. Yeah, oh up, up, man! Up until that point, Horace Horsecaller didn't have a voice, and so um, for the, was it for the Mickey Mouse? Po- um, yeah, yeah,
2: it was the the Prince Me- and the Popper. Oh I yeah, believe.
0: he needed a voice, and
2: so they. Oh,
1: they... so it's a trick question. <laughs> he didn't even have a voice. <laughs> <He
2: doesn't. laughs> I said, right, he was right. the original voice?" He was.
1: Yeah, he was the original voice. It's just that. <laughs> it just for happened a long ten time. years ago. <laughs> right, In the, for a long time, he did not have a voice. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs>
0: She showed you. That's
1: good. That's good.
0: <laughs> so Snow White, her prince has a horse, no name, at least that we no know name. of. So I think we need to move on to Cinderella. She had a horse, very nice horse, a little sweet little guy named Major. Major. He, he I like him. He has a good role in the movie. He's not really too big, but he turns into a human, which is hilarious because then he has the horse teeth. <laughs> oh that's right (laughs) and then he also is instrumental in sort of saving cinderella at the end bruno more so than than you know captain but
1: oh bruno
0: i just like the most iconic part about about um major to me is the very opening scene of cinderella where cinderella is like a little girl and she's watering major at like their fountain with her dad right there and they're like petting him And I'm like, oh, this is such a sweet scene. And, like, if you look at the horse, he's very well-kept and strong and, like, is a good-looking horse. And then you fast-forward about 15 years later or 10, I don't know, um, you know, the houses disarray. And then all the animals that used to be so stately are, like, wah, wah. They're just sort of, like, run down. They turn all goofy. Yeah. And it kind of, like, represents, like, Cinderella's whole life. Like, everything just kind of isn't so awesome. Yeah, and horses live to be about 30 years. So
2: unless that horse was about 15 at that time, when Cinderella was like a girl, you know, there's no reason why he should be in such disarray.
1: Prince Philip had Samson, who had a certain affinity for carrots.
2: Extra bucket of oats? Oh. I think he was the first one where it started just having a little bit of... Sass? Sass. (laughs) This was the Mm -hmm. entrance Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. horses and their sass. And
0: attitude. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Why do the horses always have to have attitude? Because they're like an essential counterpart to the hero, you know, hero on the horse. Yeah. So, like, geographically, that seems like a good place to put a foil to them. I don't know.
0: Well, and it's also supposed to be, like, this is my buddy. Like, we spend a lot of time together partners and on the, you know, the old west or on the plains, or I guess most of these movies don't have an old west. That's true. But it's like we're together, and so, like, this horse understands me more than maybe anyone else understands me. And even though he can't talk, or she, you know, we get each other. So then we move on, and for a while there aren't very many horses. Um, Aristocats has a horse. I love Fru-Fru. Oh,
1: Fru-Fru, I've made the headlines.
2: (laughs) Like she always has the fantastic little hat, yes. and she just she talks in such an uppity way. I love it. Oh, hello, hello,
0: hello. <laughs> and she,
1: and she has her own uh, her own little singing part of, in the finale.
0: Ah, yes, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> she gets in on the action.
0: That's hilarious. I think
1: I think she also. What does she also do to Edgar? Kick him into the box that goes to Timbuktu. Oh
0: yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: We yeah. That's another thing horses are good for. Kicking the bad guy. <laughs> we need to do the Aristocats sometime. Like, did Edgar survive the trip to Timbuktu?
0: I don't know. That's why I'm waiting for the Aristocats two. Uh, oh, yeah, well. that sequel is highly anticipated.
1: Yeah, we should write Glenn Keane and be like, hey, can you, can you like do animation for this movie that we thought of?
2: <laughs> we'll do the Kickstarter.
1: <laughs> Kickstarter. <laughs> we'll make a video, guys. <laughs> let's face it, internet. There needs to be an Aristocats two.
0: Speaking of horses that just plummet the bad guy, in 101 Dalmatians, there is Captain.
1: Ah, that's right. Fire one.
0: (laughs) Fire Fire two. 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 I agree. I agree. Um,
1: Sergeant, I say sergeant.
0: (laughs) So after this, there's kind of a period of of no horses, more or less. And so we jump into, um, I guess... The Little Mermaid has seahorses, but I'm not counting those. And not count. We go to Belle. Philippe, which is the, I'm going to say it right now, the worst Disney horse. <laughs> is. Philippe
1: is the worst Disney horse?
0: Because he's such, we talked about this in our very first episode, he's such a coward. I those mean, are
1: wolves. <laughs> um,
0: They're wolves. You do not no. see Belle out there, like, swinging a stick at the wolves.
1: <laughs> come right. on. Maximus like... would just get a sword out and just start <laughs> killing the wolves. It's
0: true.
1: He would just eat the wolves.
2: <laughs> well, no, like, but Philippe is the only sound mind in that. He's like, oh, yeah, let's you – know, you have um Marie- – first you have Maurice, and he's going off. He's like, oh, yeah, that dark alley
0: looks great. <laughs> he's like, uh, I don't
1: think yeah, so. Maurice- let's Maurice go over here.
0: <laughs> well, he is kind of a loon, so <laughs> – so he's he's the foil to the loon.
1: Foil to the loon.
0: <laughs> that's Sonic ag- okay. Let me. Sh- no, uh, no, that may just... be our title for our episode.
1: <laughs> foil to the loon. Yes.
0: <laughs> that sounds very Lord of the Rings.
1: <laughs> and then let's see what would come chronologically after
0: Achilles. It'd be sweet Achilles. if Pocahontas had a horse. If she had like a pinto or like a painted mare, that'd be really really cool. I'd, but it uh, didn't exist, so I'm making up horses. That's, that'll be the end. We'll talk about horses that we wish we had. Okay. Uh, but we have Achilles from um, The Hunchback of Notre Dame.
1: Achilles oh my sit. gosh. I saw, half, I saw half of Hunchback in theaters, and then the theater broke down, and we had to leave. You so I don't, you never I don't know what happens you never to finish? Achilles.
0: Oh my gosh, Mason!
1: Hunchback is n- people, not my favorite Disney film.
0: People love it. People I'm sorry. love it just That's... like they loved Hercules. But we know how you feel about Hercules.
1: Well, it's not how I feel about Hercules. It's just that I've been cursed to never get to watch the whole thing. So I'm like, never, I'm like, I haven't seen it. So I'm not as crazy about Hercules as everybody else. Uh-huh. I see. Isn't it on Netflix? I should just watch it on Netflix tonight. You,
2: you totally should. And then you can go back and listen to our episode on it.
1: Wow. I can get the listener experience. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, back to the horses. <laughs> So Achilles, he's, he's okay. Like he has this, he's kind of a one trick horse, one trick pony. Dang it. I tried to change the no, really. the idiom when it totally worked in that situation.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: he's a one trick pony. He just sits and you know, it's very useful in certain situations, but that's basically all he does. Yeah. You know,
2: um, I believe next is Pegasus.
0: Pegasus. Right? Oh, Pegasus. Oh. <laughs>
2: He's seriously such a great horse. I would, I like Pegasus. I would have a Pegasus. Of course, I would. He can fly.
0: Who doesn't want Pegasus? (laughs) This is why you need to watch Hercules. Oh, Okay, all right. right. Let's
1: see. I forget the
0: girl Pegasus in Hercules. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't even talk about that. But
1: (laughs) Uh, 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 uh. I
0: love to. I really was attracted to you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Okay, so next is Khan, who's Mulan's horse.
1: Ah, voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch.
0: No. Oh,
1: which con are we talking about? Oh, con the horse from Mulan. Okay, yeah. I like him a lot. Tell me more. Because he's not like this goofy-looking horse that they have, you know, like uh, Major, Cinderella's horse, or the horse that's that's with Mr. Toad in that one movie, or Ichabod's crane horse, for that matter. He's so just like, oh, yo, you're you know, just kind of goofy-looking. Uh-huh. Khan is a imperial stallion, if you will.
0: That it is.
2: And part and part cow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Your cow here would die of fright. <laughs> Down, Bessie. But yeah, um, I like Khan just because he's kind of this like stoic figure who doesn't really need to... I don't know, he doesn't really need like to be goofy to be entertaining. He's more like the, oh gosh, these humans are so dumb type of horse. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a long-suffering horse that has to put up with everyone. He's
0: a good he's a good pet. Good little oh, pal. He's a pal. So I think coming up next is well not technically Disney, but now that Disney owns Pixar, I think it counts. Uh, Bullseye.
1: He's Woody's horse. Exactly. Yeah. I I love Bullseye. He doesn't have any Words they, at the end of at the end of Toy Story three, they really should have pulled a nut job and had him speak his one line <laughs> uh, at the end of the film. You could be like, "Boy, Andy," and they'd be like, "What?" <laughs> no, Bullseye, you never talk in front of humans. <laughs> but um, I liked Bullseye a lot because he was he was super loyal to Woody, you know, because he knew his role in the show was to be Woody's horse, you know, and mm-hmm. so they instantly bonded, and all he wanted to do was help and be with Woody, so he, like, and so it made a lot of scenes hilarious, like the Cheetos scene, where yeah, he starts crunching it. on the Cheetos, and he wants to lick <laughs> Al's fingers because of the cheese.
2: <laughs> Wait, was he
0: in Toy Story 3? Yes. Uh, yeah? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, was
0: he? I don't remember. Yeah, he was in Toy Story 2, and then he was in Toy Story 3. Okay, because he's just, just, part, he was just part of the gang. I mean, even, he's in the poster up for it.
1: Yeah, that's he, true. He goes
0: basically wherever Jesse goes.
1: Yeah, so he goes. He he becomes more like a Jesse counterpart to, than well, he's still de- no that that's true. He is in Toy Story three because Woody's like, fine, screw you guys, I'm gonna go find Andy, and um and Bullseye's like, can I come? And you know, Woody's like, no, stay, cruel master. <laughs> you know? mhm, okay. Woody hates <laughs> horse. I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: Now you're going too far. This is your own Mason. This mason, is this Masonic interpretation. This is, interpretation, this is a
1: Masonic delusion. Um, <laughs> no, this is this is coming back when Woody had that really jerk face personality when they were just doing previs for for Toy Story. <laughs> you know how Woody's character was like really mean to everyone. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's nice.
2: a little bit pompous. Okay, speaking of pompous, we've got. Maximus. Would you say he's next or Angus? No, Maximus. No, Maximus is Maximus,
1: yeah. certainly I think he is the best Disney horse. Whoa. He's like action horse. I hereby dub him the Jack Bauer of, of <laughs> He's just unstoppable. He knows how to sword fight. He's mean. He he doubles as a paper shredder. Um
2: <laughs> and a ring bearer.
1: And, and a ring bearer. Let legendary. the ring bearing horse come forth.
0: Yeah, they uh, really did a good job in putting all other Disney horses to shame. <laughs> it's like they were—I'm sure when they were just making this movie, they're thinking, "Okay, we like Disney horses, we like Samson, but how can we one up all these guys?" Well,
1: yeah, he's the baddest of the bad, you know. And then in the end, he—he's friends with Flynn Rider, you know. Mm-hmm. First, he wants to kill him, and then <laughs> they become good buddies. But yeah, I like how I like how human Maximus is, but at the same time, he is a horse. You know.
0: Yeah, he's a character that actually is like pretty important to the plot.
1: That's true. I'm not saying
0: some of the other horses are. I mean Pegasus is pretty crucial to the plot for the most part in Hercules, but some of these other horses like they're there and they have personality or sometimes they have no personality, but they're
1: uh, oh. not
0: as big of a deal. What you yeah. say, mode of transportation.
1: <laughs> Doesn't the genie turn Abu into a giant stallion? Oh my god. It does.
0: <laughs> oh, with a beautiful mane. That one was awesome. like Very curly. It was well, to match the, it
2: was, to, basically it was the same horse as Prince the Achmed. Prince. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. I get you.
2: Before he turned him into a Cadillac.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. And, uh, but yeah, I think Maximus is definitely the best. And and he becomes captain of the guard, um, and totally eliminated crime in the kingdom and all the supply of, a- of apples or something like that. <laughs> so I, I love Maximus. He's my favorite Disney horse. I claim him.
0: Okay, he's yours. All right, go for it.
1: <laughs> if I had a horse, Disney horse, I would choose Maximus not not to ride him, but to have him along as a combat buddy.
2: Yeah, it works. Too. Treat
1: him as an equal.
2: And I'm sure he'll take all your food.
1: Well, no, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't uh, think we that might have through, a, did we, might ha- we might have a problem then. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's wrap this up. Which one is y'all's favorite Disney horse? Wait,
0: wait. We have one more.
1: Wait,
0: what, what, what? So last minute uh, oh, horses.
1: Right. Last minute horses.
0: Meredith's horse, Angus. I had big hopes for okay. Angus, and he really didn't pan out to be much of anything. And then Anna's horse, who in Frozen really doesn't do much, except for runs away. Another horrible horse like Philippe. And then we have Hans's horse, Lemon. Which what? only has a name because we dubbed him that. Lemon. <laughs> and now it's official. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. So, okay, so to wrap it up, Mason, take it away.
1: Okay, so I've already told y'all who my favorite Disney horse is. So who? what is y'all's favorite Disney horse, ladies? You I, can choose Maximus if you want.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of high hopes for Angus as well, just because I have a, I have an affinity for giant horses like that. But I still, I'm still going to go, well, Philippe, I guess, is in that realm too. So I would go Philippe before I did Angus. Uh, But I just, I really like Samson, so Uh I'm going to stick with Samson.
0: So honorable mentions are, I like Khan a lot, and Samson really is a good horse, but I'm going to go with Pegasus here. Oh. I think Pegasus is pretty darn awesome.
1: That's true. Well, all right, all right.
0: But they're all pretty cool. Oh, speaking of, there are princesses that have horses be- due to the enchanted stables. Um, oh,
1: non-canonical.
0: Yeah. So uh, Jasmine has a made-up horse that's obviously an Arabian. Apparently, <laughs> Sleeping Beauty got a horse too because you know you got to ride horses with the prince. So um, it's named Buttercup the Brave. <laughs>
1: oh, brother.
0: <laughs> and um, Ariel has one called Baby Boot, Baby Bow. Baby Bo. Yeah. No, those don't count.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Baby Bo. Okay. Let's see. If uh, Tarzan had a horse, what would, it, what would it be? What kind of it would it be? What would it be named?
0: Jack <laughs>
1: <laughs> No, it has to be a horse. <laughs> it, could be a, it could be a zebra. So if you're listening to the podcast, uh, send us a email or, better yet, voicemail. Mm-hmm. About who your favorite Disney horse is, or if you have no favorite Disney horse, tell us about a non-Disney animated horse that you like. But Disney would be cooler because we love Disney. And then if you if you remember any horses that we might have missed, we don't want them to be left out. So let us know in in a voicemail or or through our social media.
0: On to the main event.
1: Right, so our main discussion, as we hinted at at the beginning, is The Lord of the Rings, animated film by Ralph Bakshi.
0: Beyond the farthest reaches of the imagination, and deep within the human heart, in what is known as the third age of Middle-earth, a tale is told of deeds and beings, a tale of a day when a great shadow will fall across the earth. And ancient sorcerers were locked in mortal combat with the phantoms of the night. This is the magnificent gift of J.R.R. Tolkien left to the human heart. The vision beyond imagination. The
1: Lord of the Rings. A notorious animator and somewhat infamous animator. So this is the first time we've done a Bakshi film. Yes. We've had requests for 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 Bakshi, and they mentioned Fritz the Cat, which was the first X-rated animated film. So we're not going to do that. In fact, there are only a few Bakshi films that we could probably review on this clean podcast of ours. <laughs> it's
0: true. <laughs> They're, for the most part, it's not going to happen. But The Lord of the Rings, hey. It's family-friendly. It's surprisingly family-friendly to an extent. <laughs>
1: What and um, hey,
2: there's a lot of blood at the end of this thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, well, disclaimer: um, I don't know exactly if if we get the name Bakshi Bakshi wrong, don't send us an an angry an angry it's email our... or, or what is it?
0: Oh, I was just gonna say it's our dialect, so hey, it is what it is.
1: It's our dialect in Texas. It's pronounced the B- Bakshi. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, don't send us any angry messages about us mispronouncing the name. That doesn't count as a mistake. It just counts as a guy <laughs> having a really hard-to-pronounce, uncommon last name. Anyway, so yeah, for those of us who don't know who Ralph Bakshi is, we will I will proceed to do my quick biography lecture on him. But I promise it'll, it'll be fun. So Ralph Bakshi was born in 1938 in Palestine as a child, and I didn't know this until recently. He actually lived in uh, minority neighborhoods um, like uh, Brownsville, New York, and Foggy Bottom in, in Washington D.C., uh, where it was predominantly uh, black neighborhoods. So most of his early films are actually about inner city life and crime and such, and they address they directly and blatantly address racial stereotypes. So that that's interesting uh, because looking through his catalog of films, I wondered why there was um, those kind of social influences because he as a child he he lived in black segregated neighborhoods in fact in at Jefferson high school or we went to high school he was the only white student but he didn't last long at Thomas Jefferson uh, apparently he was more interested in quote broads mouthing off and doodling unquote than academics that really sounds like my high school um career which which probably means I have a promising future as an animator <laughs> <laughs> uh, from Thomas Jefferson, he was transferred to the Manhattan School of Industrial Art, where he graduated with an award in cartooning. So he found his he found his purpose there, as you will. His first job uh, at the age of eighteen was doing cell polishing for Terrytoons, and that's the studio that that produced Mighty Mouse. For anyone who knows what Mighty Mouse is, I mean, I'm sure love- we all I'm sure we all know what Mighty Mouse is, but I've never seen a Mighty Mouse cartoon. I don't think.
2: Here I come to save the day.
1: Oh, that's his theme song? Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I don't know anything about Mighty Mouse. Um, So at the age of 25, he was actually promoted to animation director at Terry Tunes, and he started doing his own stuff. Um, But he eventually left and started his own studio. Uh, His first production was Fritz the Cat, which actually was not an original idea of Bakshi's. It was actually a film adaptation of a satirical comic strip. And we've stated on a few episodes, it's kind of an in-joke with us. <laughs> it's the cat, the film we will never review on the, on the website, because it was the first full-length uh, animated feature to be rated X by the MPAA. After that came Heavy Traffic uh, a year later, which featured inner-city life, and then you got uh, Skin um, and a few other uh, films that mostly deal with uh, like inner-city culture and, and crime and stuff like that. Several years later, uh, in the late 1970s, he started branching off into fantasy films. So he was doing a film called War of the Wizards that was picked up by Fox that was actually being produced the same time George Lucas was producing the first Star Wars film. So this might sound seem like a tangent, but it's actually a pretty significant part of action career. So actually, like George Lucas, claimed legal right and monetary right to all merchandising for War of the Wizards. And he ended up changing the name to Wizards to, um, avoid, uh, confusing the name of the film with Star Wars. Uh, the Fox executives were already struggling finding money for Lucas to finish Star Wars. And so they actually told them both, look, you have to find your own funds to finish the film if you want to finish. And so to save money, uh, Bakshi turned to an animating technique that we get our name from. He turned to rotoscoping. Woo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> Rotoscopy!
0: That's, that's us! It's the coolest us. ever! Ooh, yeah.
1: Actually, rotoscoping is not the best type of animation. and It's actually cheap. And I, you guys are hacks for having a podcast that's called <laughs> How <laughs> I'm going back to playing Minecraft. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah. Rotoscoping. Um, for the this is like your first episode and you don't know what rotoscoping is number 1 shame on you number 2 just kidding number 3 rotoscoping is where you take actual uh live footage of uh, that's shot of actual actors and you tr- kind of trace over it so that um you don't have to know what to draw basically you're you're tracing these images and you kind of fill in uh the animation with these uh with this live action footage so it is an easier cheaper quicker way to animate but many will argue that it loses its loses the magic of animation. It just becomes life, and not the uh, sought after illusion of life. And we've had a few discussions on rotoscoping on the show. But uh, suffice it to say that Bakshi turned to rotoscoping to finish to help finish Wizards, and it kind of became this like signature technique of his films. Um, so he had a he had a lot of these films at uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, Fire and ice, uh, which I, I think I mentioned on the very first on our very first episode. And it was like this it's like this kooky animated film about barbarians. It's like like straight out of like Barbarians Monthly magazine. <laughs> it's very uh, the um, illustrations are all done by like the guy who does the Ice to Earth um, <laughs> uh, album posters anyway. So he, he did he did quite a large uh, range of, of film work and it was all darker, edgier and sometimes adult oriented. And that was kind of his shtick, his was providing alternative entertainment in the animation world. By 2000, uh, that uh, retired semi-formally and began teaching animation. In 2003, he, he started doing more formal animation classes. Uh, and he, he has done some visual work and, and worked for some shorts and features. But last year, he actually funded his latest animated feature entitled Last Days of Coney Island on Kickstarter. So you can um, look that up. It's going to be a 2D traditional animated film. Uh, it doesn't look like it'll all be totally rotoscoped, but, you know, it might have that signature rotoscoping style. And uh, so that's where he is today. He's he's still in animation. In fact, he's pretty active on Twitter. Um, he'll he'll send out, like, images of his films, and he'll answer people's questions. And so it's actually kind of cool. He also has a website, which, like the Rankin Bass website, is Really needs a makeover. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> half, the, half the links to the film don't work, and um, the the formatting is very—it's very web web 1.0 for my fellow business and marketing majors. But anyway, heaven bless him. Ralph Bakshi is a fascinating character in the animation world, and we're super happy to be reviewing uh, his production of the Lord of the Rings. So, um, here's some quotes for your consideration. Can I say?
0: Just something gen- you
1: know oh sure, yeah, yeah. So Sorry, what- you in the back.
0: One thing I think really interesting about Ralph Bakshi is that he's sort of one of the only animator directors who kind of can be seen on their own level. Like, a lot of times the directors aren't, like, I I feel like there's Ralph Bakshi, who's a big name, there's Richard Williams, there's Don Bluth, there's Walt Disney, but then some of the other directors sort of fall. I mean, I I don't even think John Lasseter is seen, well, as a director on the level. You take that back. Uh, At the level that these guys are. Like, it doesn't matter what studio they're with. They're just seen as their movies are their movies, not the movies by the studio by them. You know what I mean? And I think it was
2: because of the time when, you know, all of this was happening when they were trying to kind of branch off of just the Disney. Disney was the only thing out there. And so they were the only ones making a name for themselves, as as it were. And, you know, you got all of of the names that you mentioned were kind of, of integral and progressing the the medium forward, I believe.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like this atmosphere of, like, join Walt Disney or or fight against him, you know, and I don't want to make it sound like it was this, like, huge conflict, you know, with all this strife and stuff, but, like, guys were, they'd made this, like, like, really crazy, brave decision to just branch out and try to reach to audiences without the name of Walt Disney attached to their animated works. And so, not. Against Disney, I mean, obviously, you, you know, you know, amazing, you know, business person and thinker and innovator, but these guys were like the rebellious animator crowd, you know.
0: Well, it's and, also uh,
1: and they and they did make a name for themselves, and it's it's kind of cool.
2: It's also the fact that each one of them, they had, they were the ones putting up all the money for it. I mean, if you go with Disney, you've got the power of the mouse behind you. You got you got funds. Uh, They run at least 80% of the world's media today, and if you're going at it by yourself, you've got to have some guts and a lot of fortitude to get through all the crap that comes along with not only making a film, but also marketing it and doing everything involved to make anything a success, and that's just going to take your life.
1: Yeah. Now, these guys were picked up by big Hollywood distributors, but cool is that these guys always seemed like Don Blue, uh, Richard Williams... Uh, Ralph Bakshi—they always seemed to retain independent spirit, and and you you get the sense that at times I I bet they I bet they just fought against executives to be like, no, this is my film, this is the way I want it, this is how it's going to be.
2: I think they were the executives.
0: Well, no.
1: Yeah. The
0: distributors had the executive uh, team. So, for example, yeah. I was reading when he was doing Fritz the Cat, the, the executive team, they wanted him to tone it down, they wanted him to change the direction, and he said no. I mean, he really put his foot down and, yeah. and stuck it And like while that.
1: while I would never agree with the content matter of Fritz the Cat or support it, I do support his independent spirit. Totally. You know? yeah. And there's something to be said about that. Uh, you know, these were... Like, true pioneers and rebels in the animation world. Someone should write a book on these guys.
0: Yeah. I'm sure there oh, is do a Do they book. have one? I don't know. Do they have
1: one? Maybe on Amazon? Maybe through our affiliate link? Rotscopers.com slash Amazon. Go there.
0: <laughs> I'll do some research to see if this book exists. If so, <laughs> there will be a link in the show notes. Rotscopers.com slash <laughs> 64.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Ralph Bakshi, on few words and some general sentiments on his adaptation of The Lord of the Rings, um, so when, when Bakshi approached, uh, the studio and proposed that he, that he direct a three-part animated film adaptation of The Lord of the Rings, uh, to quote Bakshi, he said, they said, fine, because, uh, Borman handed in his 700-page script and do I want to read it? I said, well, is it all three books in one? I said, yes, but he's changed a lot of the characters and he's added characters. He's got some sneakers he's merchandising in the middle. <laughs> this is what he's saying. And uh, Bakshi said, I said, no, I, I'd rather not read it. I'd rather do the books as close as we can but using Tolkien's exact dialogue and scenes. They said fine. It knocked me down because we don't we don't a word Borman wrote in his in 700 page manuscript. We never read the books. We ain't got time to read it. You understand it, Ralph? So go do it. That's what these executives said. They never read the books. You know they were just gonna they're just they're just gonna produce this 700 page script that involved merchandising some sneakers <laughs> in the middle. Um, <laughs> So as anyone who's seen this adaptation will will notice, the head use of rotoscoping, and kind of the crazy animation style, this is what Backshe had to say about the animation of the characters. It's not that important to me how a hobbit looks. Everyone has their own idea of what the characters look like. It's important to me that the energy of Tolkien survives. It's important that the quality of animation matches the quality of Tolkien. Who cares how big Gandalf's nose is? The tendency animation is just to worry about the drawing. If the movie works... Whether you agree about Bilbo's face or not, the rest becomes inconsequential. So that's really interesting. And uh, a side note here, Bakshi actually met with Tolkien's daughter, uh, Priscilla, to discuss how the film would be made. Yeah, I traveled and visited visited her, and she like showed him where J.R.R. Tolkien wrote uh, wrote his books. And uh, so that is uh, something of note that Bakshi actually made the effort to cut. Kind of with the surviving Tolkien family members to figure out how the film would be made. It's, it's definitely evident that instead of stylistic choices, he, he did um, like thematic and like element choices taken from The Lord of the Rings and interpreted them in his film. And so on the film's visual style, he had this to say, the film is a clash of a lot of styles like in all my films. I like moody backgrounds. I like drama. I like a lot of saturated color. Of course, a big problem was controlling the artists so they drew alike. How do you have 600 people draw one character alike? The tendency is to want to let the artist have some freedom, and someone would leave off a hat or a horn or a hat on a character. Uh, I think we've achieved real illustration as opposed to cartoons. Artistically, we can do anything we want, and so um, I find it kind of hard to swallow all that because I do I do believe in in strength in drawing for animated films, and I do believe in artistic freedom. But it's obvious that he wasn't going for a cartoon. He was going for, quote, real illustration. It's almost as if he was wanting to make an animated storybook for, like, animated illustrations for the books. Yeah. Do you agree?
0: Yeah, definitely. He was trying to go for something different and larger than life than what animation had to offer. But I kind of disagree with what he's saying is how can you get 600 artists to draw the same? I mean, you look at the movies that Disney put out in the 40s, and for the most part, they're pretty on... Well, I mean, maybe they're not a hundred percent on model, but pretty on model, right? I would say so. I mean, yeah, like you said, there's
2: little parts where you're like, uh, obviously the real—that was an in-betweener drawing, and not the actual um, person in charge of the actor. But the I know I I Mason, I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I uh, I mean, in the spirit of being brief, I I. I don't know. I think animated films, I get what he's trying to say, but I believe that animation is more effective in more of an art form when you have strong drawings, when you care, when you do care. Okay, good animation is also well-designed animation. Character design, visual development, your pre has to be really strong. So yes, uh, to me, Gandalf, the size of Gandalf's nose is important. Would this film have, have gotten a different legacy, A, if he had finished it, uh, which he did not finish all three books in this film, and B, he had taken more time to fully animate and fully flesh out the character design of every person in the Lord of the Rings, which in his defense is a daunting task because the Lord of the Rings has a huge cast. Mm -hmm. You know? So, no, I don't agree about, I don't agree with the whole like, hey, who cares about this character design? You know, we're making iterations. But I do understand what he's saying and I do respect it.
2: You know, it's interesting. One of the main things that came to my mind as I was watching this is it kind of felt like a student film. I mean, granted, nowadays, our access to technology is so incredible. You know, things that they were making huge movies with, like I can have HD quality on my phone. You know, it's just, it's easy, the type of technology that we have access to. But, like, I don't know, just kind of, it felt like it was, he didn't pay attention to the details. And there were a lot of things that could have been made better and just i think that those things really take a knock at the professionalism of it and it may feel like kind of something mediocre when you don't take that time to really flush things
1: out what say ye morgan
0: well it's so hard to compare this film to you know films of today but then again you look at you know disney's movies in the 30s and 40s and, and they were very good they they feel complete. They don't, you they know. They hold up for it even today. Exactly. But then again, they had a little bit bigger budget for the, than I imagine he ever had. And so he had to work with what he did. And so I see mm-hmm. this more as an independent film rather than a, you know, it is a feature-length film. But it's on an independent budget for the most part. Correct. I mean, he yeah. doesn't have the staff, the resources, and the talent that he needs. And that's why he had to use the rotoscoping techniques to such extent as he did. And didn't mm. he say that he sort of regretted using them?
1: Yeah, there's a there's a interview they did in 1983 where he did kind of admit that he regrets using so much rotoscoping in his films. So it's 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 really up for the viewer to decide. Personally, my initial thoughts when I saw all the rotoscoping rotoscoping scenes before I kind of took a took a step back and looked at it in the perspective that Morgan just said, I was actually a little insulted as a viewer that there was so much just these posterized, uh, filtered scenes of rotoscoped action, I was like, and I wanted to be like, why didn't he just make a live-action Lord of the Rings? You know, instead, <laughs> yeah. of, instead of this stuff.
0: No, Jared, uh, as we were I'm watching... I'm
1: surprised Jared watched it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I know, right? I, it's because I was watching it, and he wanted to watch basketball, and I said, no, I'm watching this movie, and I'm going to finish watching this movie. <laughs> so I kind of sat around, and the basketball game ended, because this movie is so long. But he... Oh, within the, <laughs> I know. Horrible life. But within the first five minutes, he was like this is the worst animated film I've ever seen. And yes, you can quote me on your podcast. (laughs) And I think that's how the unsophisticated viewer would view this. Like initially it's like you have this cowering reaction where you're like, ew, that doesn't look good. And you don't want to give it the time of day.
2: I'm just going to say, I am one of those people. The first time I saw this, my brother had rented it. And this was like, you know, five, 10, maybe Ago, probably, and he was watching it and I was disgusted. I was like, What are you watching? Why? Like, oh, of the Rings, it's awesome. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so coming back when you guys were like, Oh, we're gonna be doing this movie, I was like, no, that movie that I walked by, and I thought, ew, why are we watching this? So here I am. I'm talking about this movie that I I vowed I would never go <laughs> to watch before.
1: This kind of establishes our little biography on Ralph Bakshi. We know a little more about him. And now that we do, let's really delve into this amazing epic. We begin with the titles. Lord of the Rings! And it has this overly dramatic opening music. Very gloomy. <laughs> did, you, did you know that, that Ralph Bakshi originally wanted Led Zeppelin to do some of the music for this film?
0: That would have been really epic.
1: That would have been rocking.
0: I'd have gone for that.
1: Yeah. Oh, let the sun shine down. Upon my back, I am a traveler of both time and space to be where <laughs> I am. Okay, anyway. Cat look. Well, oh, yeah. the music in um, this
0: whole movie is, like, really over the top and dramatic and foreboding.
1: Yeah. Foreboding. That's like, well, you know, half of the, the first book is very foreboding. Yeah, it's It's all about, the, it's all about the prophecy. The one ring. <laughs> you know? And yeah. Gandalf has to roll every R <laughs> ever said. <laughs> <laughs> Frodo! Anyway, you know how the Ents have, like, a horribly long way of talking? Well, Gandalf yeah. has a horribly long way of rolling all his R's. Anyway, um, so we get this goofy, kooky prologue. Very This this red foreground, and then in the back, such lifelike animation. Um,
2: <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw Peter Pan in there. I'm pretty sure
0: <laughs> it's real people, okay? That's, can, I, can I ask a legitimate question? Here. So, rotoscoping, like, at some points, I don't even know how you could consider this rotoscoping, because it was just real people at different points yeah. in the movie. Like, yeah. I, and maybe yeah, like... they barely traced over it, but for some sections, I was like, no, that's not even frame by frame by frame that they took. They just took the whole footage and put a weird filter on it. And So, does that count? Is that technically under the umbrella of rotoscoping?
1: Yes, because the technique could have been... Filling in blocks of black color, yeah. instead of just filming shadowy figures against a red backdrop. Yeah. So I don't know. So it goes over the plot of the you know the prophecy of the ring is sealed versus Sauron or Sauron as they call it. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I love about watching okay can I ch- okay first of all backtrack that there are different adaptations of the Lord of the Rings books besides Peter Jackson's films. which are great, but some kids will grow up and live their entire lives knowing only Peter Jackson's interpretation. you know
0: It's totally true.
1: When they think of Golem they will think of Andy Circus Golem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When, when they think of Frodo they think of Elijah Wood, cute and cuddly. So I think it's it was really refreshing and awesome to, to see different visual interpretations but also different pronunciations of the names, you know different ways of looking at creatures like the Balrog, you know, or Gollum himself. So I, I like that.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. Although, can I just say, I mean, I feel like we're going to be referencing Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings (laughs) throughout this whole Mm -hmm. thing, because it's so epic and so grand and incredible. Even though this movie was 20 years before, I mean, we're comparing it to something that wasn't even around yet, but yet, I can't help but not compare. And I feel bad yeah. for anyone in the future who wants to even take a stab at Lord of the Rings because good luck.
1: Yeah, you will be forever known as the one who copied Peter Jackson's version. Yes. <laughs> can, can you imagine, like, if if 100 in a year, if, if we actually last 100 years from now, but 100 years from now, they just, another series for Harry Potter, 50 years from now, 30 years from now. Can you imagine? We're going to be all old. Like meh, the old films are better. Chris
0: Columbus was awesome.
1: it going to be old voice. <laughs> <laughs> <Crazy>. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, yeah. So, at, so at the same, but at the same time, I saw, I saw some some scenes that were like totally used in PJ's version. I call him PJ.
2: because <laughs> you're on such good terms. He,
1: put that on my that on luggage.
2: PJ!
1: <laughs> so, good old PJ, he actually took at least some inspiration from Bakshi's interpretation. In fact, he... he After initially denying that he watched it, um, that he, he ever watched it, he confirmed that that was his first um, exposure to The Lord of the Rings, was Rathbock. And so, the scene where he's like, uh, you know, where Bilbo is you know, saying all the names, you know, Brandy bucks, Took's Proud Foot's Proud Feet, you know. Yeah. The Proud Feet scene is, is actually... An exact copy of the shot used in Bakshi's film, uh, homage if you will. Uh, there's also the uh, when the hobbits are hiding from the black rider, who's actually a ring wraith. You know, and they're kind of in a ravine crevice of a, of a rock, and then the ring wraith is kind of looking over the ledge. That's from the that was used in Peter Jackson's version. And then uh, this really cool shot of the camera revolving around the uh, Aragorn and and uh, the hobbits on top of Weathertop that was used in Peter Jackson's film as well. And so there are some cool homages to, to Bakshi's version.
0: Oh. So that's one thing that as I was watching this, I was wondering, okay, is that's word-for-word word Jackson's version, so is that direct word-for-word word from the book? Because I have read the books, but I do, clearly don't have them memorized. But I'm interested to go back now and maybe read the books and see, you because know, that was one of the things that Bakshi wanted to do was a direct near word-for-word word adaptation.
1: Yeah, that's true. So you you kind of, in your mind, you kind of have to reverse engineer the Peter Jackson version and be like, okay, this wasn't all artistic license. Some of the stuff, Peter Jackson's version was completely made up, but it was all, some of it was also taken word for word from the book, like Bakshi's version. And so there's this like weird connection and it's kind of hard to wrap your head around it. So I tried to delete my knowledge, previous knowledge of Lord of the Rings films as much as possible and just try to take in this version. The characters look weird. That's all and you're going to say. Gandalf, the hobbits. And, Gandalf, okay, yeah, okay. For one, the hobbits. Frodo looks like a chubby little child because that was probably the actor that they got to play him. <laughs> Sam
2: looks like an old man.
1: Like, what? <laughs> I hated Sam in this version. He looks so <laughs> dopey.
2: Yeah.
1: He's like, I'm Mr. Frodo. do.
0: I don't know I didn't, heard, I didn't how, heard
1: nothing, sir
0: That's how Sam is in general Let's be honest here
1: no, no, yeah, so he, but It's I, not it's, as lovable as in the Peter direction
0: yeah. Frodo, Frodo reminded me of a chubby Peter Pan Even his oh. voice kind of was reminiscent of Bobby Driscoll's I
1: thought his voice sounded a lot like Elijah Wood That,
0: right? that too, yeah
1: And, and a I, lot yeah. on the internet agree
2: I totally thought that too
1: yeah, but yeah, Man Capri's on Frodo. Uh, um, Gandalf, hims- Gandalf himself is very dramatic with his hand gestures, which is cool, because I imagine him being a very grave, dramatic kind of old wizard, you know. But every- in every scene, he's just, like, flinging his arms around, knocking over pots and plates, and and those tiny, weird pupils in his eyes, man. He he's looks so scared, the old guy. You
0: know, one thing I don't like about this is that the character design is so weird. Um, some characters have a distinct style, others uh, another very different, unique style, and especially it, it you know, some characters are, are 100% rotoscoped, others are not, um, and so they just don't feel like they're from the same world. Especially, I know I'm jumping the gun here, but Alien Legolas. <laughs> alien Legolas! I mean, he went from a hunky Adonis of a man in Jackson's version <laughs> no, 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 no. to an alien! <laughs> No, 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 no! He went from an alien to a hunky Adonis. So you have to remember that's
1: true. Our <laughs> chronology of of watching Peter Jackson and then Ralph Bakshi. Right.
2: No, you know. I, I see any of the Peter Peter Jackson stuff as being like, okay, let's look at the past and see where we can improve as well. So, I mean, you look at Bakshi's version and all of the, you know, honestly, you're you also have to think of as Hollywood for sure. So, you know, any of the guy actors that they would have had in this, like, for example, um, you're all going to kill me, but who's the, who's the Siren, Sir, or who's the guy that is with him most of the time?
1: Aragorn, son of Arathor. Yeah, oh, thank you. No,
2: I'm so sorry. You. sorry. Whatever.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, Aragorn, for example, like, he just looks like a strange old man. No, he looks like the, he looks like the, the hunter. He looks like the it's hunter like from the Snow, White. Snow White?
1: Yes! He totally can I, it. can I just say that all these characters kind of look like characters from the living scriptures <laughs> the videos? You know, they, all,
0: they all ran in the same circles. Probably have yeah. big noses if they're bad guys. Telling you, telltale sign.
1: How big, no, Ralph actually said, who cares how big Saruman's nose is? <laughs>
0: I do because that's how I—that's my gauge. How evil are you? How big is your that's, nose? That's,
1: how big is that schnoz?
0: <laughs>
2: no, you, okay. Any listener, if you go back and look, if, if you watch any of those, that's how you know if they're evil.
1: <laughs> you know, like, give me more wine. Good gosh, look at that schnoz. He's evil.
2: <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, like you're looking at, and all of the actors, obviously, that they that they had play all these characters are going to be a lot more attractive than what he was drawing in here. So I think he missed the boat as far as, like, making an attractive character design. Otherwise, you just don't get the girls' vote for it.
1: I don't think anyone gets any girls in this movie. So <laughs>
2: There's no girls in this movie except for they the one. How are uh, no, There's, like, two. There's the one queen that she just kind of an
1: stands there. Oh, yeah, Echoladriel. Like uh-huh. And Cosmic then... disco Galadriel. <laughs> it
0: was the seventies?
1: <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. oh the Ringwraiths are ex- are extremely creepy.
0: Which ones are
2: those? They okay, are, so they're on they're their
1: the way kings. to Bree, and he's yeah, they're the they're the Nine Kings who've turned into Ringwraiths. So they're the creepy guys on the horses. Oh, okay. And then, um, so when he gets off of the horse and they're hiding, and he just kind of, eh, 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 you know, kind of limps over to them, Crazy. you know great scene
0: that's super very... that, that scene is very creepy just as creepy um and ominous as it is in peter jackson's version like i was very disturbed yeah. as he was like the weird limp and hunching that's something that's not in peter jackson's version but i liked it it was like uh you're not supposed to be alive but you are and you're it was really just hanging on right by a thread.
1: unnatural. yeah mm. Downright unnatural, indeed. See,
0: all
2: that went through my head at that point was like, "Oh, they could totally outrun that dude. <laughs> like he can't even walk straight; just not run."
1: When on, not when he's on his devil horse. Oh,
2: that's true. The devil horse.
1: There's this. There's this one scene acro- when um they're trying to cross the river, uh, and you look, and one of the ring race blatantly has a cowboy hat on.
0: No. Go back.
1: And, <laughs> go back and watch it. I have it saved. One of them. <laughs> Looks like he's got a cowboy hat hey, on.
0: Get,
2: put the get a screenshot of that, and we'll put that in the notes. <laughs>
1: oh, but, the, yeah, the overall design is really weird for the characters. So many, so many miniskirts. They're out in the cold. <laughs> They're out in the cold on the Pass of Edoras, and Aragorn is just in his tunic and miniskirt. <laughs> and he is strutting it, you know? <laughs>
2: You know, we give, we give roto movies like this a hard time. But, you know, the, the thing that I do take from it is I look at it and I think about, you know, as I said before, they did take the medium a little bit further and it just kind of progressed everything. Like, it's a very creative idea, and everything that he does with the designs, it's like, okay, I can see where you're kind of trying to, like, spread your wings a little bit here. But it's kind of it kind of reminds me of how, you know, we all go through our, quote-unquote, awkward stage, and I'm just, I'm really glad for all that I learned in junior high, but honestly, I don't want to go back and look at it.
1: So this is kind of animation's awkward stage.
2: That's what I'm thinking. Like, just away from those pictures, and you're like, all right, just move on. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I, well, I right. honestly felt like I was transported back into, like, a 1930s Fleischer cartoon. Like, it just <laughs> had the same feel of unsophisticated, still growing pace, still figuring out the medium, and, yeah, like, it felt like we had gone back in time 50 years. Um, you know, I think of, like, Walt Disney's Alice we cartoons, did,
1: much.
0: where Alice just clearly doesn't seem in place in the world of the animation. And that's kind of how these Rotoscope characters, like, they weren't even on the same plane at times, like, with the background. Like, it didn't... If you just straight animated it, you could make it work with the background. But kind of taking a character and forcing them into the already pre-designed background, it just didn't work you know, for me. It just felt very, you know, antique.
1: Yeah. And then you had um, you had shots, like, in the Prancing Pony, pony where it just totally destroyed all illusion of hand-drawn animation. It was just basically live-action <laughs> yeah. footage with a posterization layer on top of it, down to where they had speaking lines with Frodo, and it was just like a live-action dude <laughs> talking, you know? But in The Prancing Pony, there were songs for Chelsea.
2: Oh, yes.
0: Just give me a little ditty About and I'm happy. I, I was actually surprised so- there weren't more songs in this version because that's one thing that typifies lord of the rings is that, like there's a song like every few pages they just start singing
1: Char- characters are not afraid to burst out into song mhm
0: but here well there was only there really, so. was really only that one song
1: yeah yeah well there was a song during the orc high attack on helm's deep it was kind of a gibberish oh, orc song yeah they're like ooh ha we are orcs isengard go go anyway um Love
2: that it. was that was interesting but yeah, um, right
1: there so the ring wraith are attacking at Bree. They learn of Frodo's whereabouts. Baggins! Of course I know Baggins. Anyway, it's creepy how they kind of multiply out of each other. Did you see that one shot of them stalking uh, either Pippin or Merry outside? And one, there's one following him, and then one just kind of steps out of the yeah. other and turns into two. That a, was cool. That was that was a cool effect.
0: Yeah, cool visuals. I mean, he really was inventive in in kind of creating this creepy world.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, we we have our laughs about how goofy some of this film looks, but there were some pretty cool special effects pulled off here. You know, for the 1970s.
0: Specifically, I think the part where on Weathertop, where the ringwaves are coming and they're sort of translucent, that was awesome. Ooh,
1: yeah, yeah, and they actually kind of apparate into that room where they stab the, they you know, fail at stabbing the, oh yeah, the the little hobbits. And they're just kind of like, you know, and they're just like, there, that'd be really creepy. That's very ghost-like. That kind of, it definitely plays on their like ghostly evil appearance.
0: Very Zelda bad guy.
1: Weathertop to Rivendell. And Rivendell looks like I imagine Rivendell to look. And they're all like, hey, it's us. Oh, Gandalf, I'm alive. Blah, 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 blah. And then they have this cool council, Elrond. Um, Elrond does not look like Elrond that I picture. <laughs> Even if even if I had not seen Peter Jackson's version, that does not look like Elrond. He looks like a Roman centurion just I sitting see. there. <laughs> I like Boromir. Boromir is this like big big knight Viking guy. He he, he looks like a real true Nord, you know, very Fus Roda, who clear who clearly just wants to take the ring for Gondor
0: from the very beginning. <laughs> Yeah.
1: And they're like, all right, the council of like, can I just say something? <laughs> my name is Boromir, and I think the ring should go to Gondor. R. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> and everybody's like, okay, we were just about to order food, but you've made this super awkward. So no, we're just gonna get down to the point. <laughs> oh, and and the, my one of the biggest disappointments is Gimli. He he doesn't look like a dwarf. He's just like a dude with a beard. He's just Gim- like a lumberjack. Yes,
0: Gimli's just as tall as Aragorn and everybody else. I'm like, mm. yeah, that was odd. Says, How are they, they going to toss that
1: wolf?
2: <laughs> could they not get an actor? I'm like, could they not get an actor
0: who was short? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know.
0: That really is the only thing that explained it, because they needed to rotoscope this I guy. Know. I don't know. Don't think it would have been that hard.
1: You know what you know, else I didn't like? Okay, so in the pub at the Prancing Pony, there were there was blatant rotoscoped footage of actors, but in Rivendell, all the elves get to be fully animated. Ooh. I'm calling racism on this one. <laughs> <laughs> if I was a dwarf, I'd be like, <laughs> a, a, a dwarf gets improperly drawn, but the elves get proper drawing treatment.
0: How do you guys like the backgrounds in this movie? Did you even notice it, or how do you like like the look and feel of the movie? Um,
1: okay. okay, I noticed the painted backdrops at Hobbiton in the Shire, mm-hmm. and I thought those were very beautiful. Yeah, I, everything, I those. everything else from from Moria to Rivendell to um, to uh, Helm's Deep. You know, to Rohan, it was—it just seemed very generic. Like, oh, this is a cave that you would see in like an illustration for Dungeons and Dragons.
0: Yeah, I felt that the yeah. color palette that he used, uh, except for you know, um, in Hobbiton, it was just grungy, and I don't know, it just didn't resonate with me. I didn't—I tried to find the beauty in the backgrounds and in the characters and in like the aesthetic that he chose, but I just couldn't. It was just so grungy and just. Not my thing, especially when it was the rotoscoped people where there was this like weird, you know, layering on top of them. I'm just like, ah, my eyes, my eyes.
1: He didn't really care about the visual appeal unless it was communicating the spirit of Tolkien. I mean, that's the decision that that makes this film campy and will give it a cult following. But I, I didn't connect with it, you know?
2: Yeah, I, I didn't appreciate it.
1: Some scenes in Moria were cool. For one, I love uh, Gandalf uh, trying out the different passwords and he's like... He sounds like he's saying Egg roll. Yeah. Egg roll. <laughs> I totally
2: thought that's what he said. It's like, oh, who called up for egg roll?
1: Yeah, yeah. The orcs okay, the ring race orcs are cool rotoscoped. I think they're cool. I think it kinda works for them. Although in one scene I'm pretty certain I saw a plain naked dude in one of those shots. <laughs> it was a naked dude.
2: I saw a bald guy in there somewhere and I was like, that's odd.
1: <laughs> bald orc. Orcs don't go bald. But the Balrog was cool, freaky, actually.
2: My thing is, I just I wish he would have spent a lot more time with a lot of the backgrounds. Going back to what Morgan was talking about, like backgrounds and character development, Um like his whole outlook on what you said earlier, it's like uh, it, as as it you know conveys the spirit of Tolkien. I'm like, well, there's something to be said about something being aesthetically pleasing to the eye and you know drawing people in. So I I just I think they missed that.
0: But I think from his perspective, there's something to be said about not being aesthetically pleasing and still successful. Because this movie yeah, was true. really successful. It, it had like a $3 million budget, and then it made about $30 million in the box office and was considered to be a huge success.
1: Huh, okay. Well, yeah,
0: who, who knew, right? <laughs> showing, <laughs> who knew? Showing someone this movie nowadays and say, do you think this movie was a hit? You would not get, oh, yeah, yeah. But it was. <laughs>
1: so I liked, I liked the Balrog.
0: Yes. What do you like? About? He has like
1: he has the body of an ape, the head of a lion, which is a cool. Okay, that was creative. That was a cool design choice. Whether he whether he liked it or not, <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought it was cool. He just kind of like floats in, you know, and when he's scary, he's like, "Move aside, orcs!" You know. So I thought it was cool. The scene where Gandalf faces off against the Balrog is, is definitely not as dramatic as Peter Jackson's. <laughs> He's like, you cannot pass. And I'm like, oh, here it comes, here it comes. And he's just like, (gasps) you shall not pass. I'm falling, fly you fools, you know. I was like, hey, where, where's the, you know, you kind of have to, like I said, you have to reverse engineer what you know from Peter Jackson's films.
0: I liked his interpretation of of that scene because I I think that scene is one of the most iconic in The Fellowship of the Ring for Peter Jackson. Mm. And so just to hear it, um, you know, enunciated differently or emphasis on different parts of of it. I mean, it wasn't even a big deal compared to um, Peter Jackson's. They're just like, oh, well, he fell, and, and then they try to be like, no, no, and then they run away. I a mean, little less dramatic, but this whole movie on the scale is less dramatic.
1: Yeah, totally. And actually, I don't know if it, it was like this for y'all, but everything after Moria just kind of seemed to float away like a dream. Like, yeah. it just kind of seemed to kind of bob in and out, and like, okay, we're here now, now we're here, oh no, orcs, oh no, captured. It didn't have that flow or drama that the first part of of the fellowship had.
0: Yeah, I agree. The beginning was really good, and I would say I'm I'm held my attention mostly through where the actual fellowship of the ring ends. Um, and, yeah. But with the ending of this one, you know, yeah, when they when they're in the visiting Galadriel and whatnot, it's just it's not as clear. Um, the final battles, a little like I don't know, it's interesting. But really, once it hits the two towers section of the movie, I am, I'm out. I'm just, I think it's maybe because I'm expecting it to be done. I'm like, no, 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 it should have ended here. And I need to recoup. And then I go yeah. back. But it just, it was muddy. I couldn't really stay focused. And it's just like, wow, there has been so much introduced to this point that I can't take it in anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I think a, a straight up, attempt to adapt all three films into one film just gets uh, just doesn't seem plausible because I just got done watching the Rankin Bass Return of the King, which was the first time I had seen it. But I thought that it was all three movies in one movie, but it really wasn't. It kind of skips over one and two and moves into three. It just kind of lightly sprinkles over one and two.
2: I think he was trying to like finish off this version (laughs) because this one
0: doesn't have it. It, it
1: It would seem it would seem that way. Yeah.
0: I feel like the best way to do this movie, if you were to do all three, you would have to skip yeah. the Two Towers. Like, everything in the Two Towers just yeah. cut out, for the most part.
1: And boys are going to hate us for this, but the Two <laughs> Towers, like, what it really did was just establish Gandalf's ascension uh, to a white wizard, the involvement of Theoden in the War of the yep. King and the downfall of Saruman, Yeah. and bringing Gollum back into the story, yeah. into the equation. So that's... That's pretty much all it establishes, and so if I was going to do, if I had, would have been forced to include all three books into one film, then yes, I would glaze over the two towers. Even though it's my favorite out of the books, it's my favorite out of the PG, uh, PJ's movies, the battles are bigger statistically in Return of the King, and the stakes are higher. So, yes, I would focus most of my time on The Fellowship, which has that, you know, all the fans love Fellowship, and then Return of the King, which is the exciting conclusion. So I kinda I I kinda wish he had done that with this. But there are some notes to be made about two tires. First of all, a Grima worm worm tongue is even now more creepy with the addition of the creeper mustache.
0: <laughs> Everything just gets creepier oh with the so. Mustache. That, tw- that is a really true point. And they, gr-
1: and they call him Grima Worm tongue instead of Grima Worm tongue. so he sounds like a, a poison type Pokemon. <laughs> Grimer. Yeah. I choose you. Well and um, I Speaking of Pokemon Bird is in there too. yeah, okay, go ahead, Chelsea.
2: Speaking of of Harry Potter, it's like total wormtail type. How do you trust anybody with their with the word worm in their name? How? You just can't.
1: Yes, it's like, "Hi, I'd like to apply for a job as King Theoden's advisor." "Oh, sure. What's your name?" "Uh, Grima Wormtongue." <laughs> okay. <laughs> How do spell "When can that? you when you when can you come in for an interview?" "The you know, why did they see that coming? It's, it's 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 totally in there. Hello, my name is Visivius Evil Monster. I'm here to be the new nanny. <laughs> you know, Baron Vadguy at your service. I'd like to be your butler. Oh. You know, these are names that you should not trust.
0: It's Bad It's French. <laughs> its
1: reference.
0: <laughs> I mean, at this point, like, there's nothing for me to say about the Two Towers sequence because I was just so disengaged um, and uninterested in everything that happened at that point. I'm just like, oh, let's just move on. I mean, I know Gollum comes and then we visit, you know, Rohan and then there's the battle, but all of a sudden I was watching this and I swear I was paying attention, but next thing I know, battle and Helms Deep. Like, we were just in the thick of it. Yeah. It's like, I Whoa. No, why? Like and that? who? Is this, and why, and... Okay, never mind. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> and literally, we're done right after that.
1: I love the ending. It's like, huzzah! The orcs are vanquished, Saruman is defeated, and we save Middle-earth! Roll credits. <laughs> <I know. laughs> like, wait, what about lob Treebeard just... Just scooped up Merry and Pippin and went off in the wilderness. What happened with that? There was, like,
0: no resolution for any of that. What about the <laughs> rig? Wasn't <laughs> the rig the whole point of Oh, the- yeah, that, too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't get it. What's going on? Oh, yeah, the rig, that, too. That thing. <laughs> oh, that was Gandalf's funny. like, yeah, whatever. Weeks later, uh, Gandalf is like, all right. We have rebuilt Helm's Deep, and the kingdom of Rohan is safe. And everyone's like, hey. Oh, and Theoden is like, hey, thanks for your help. Hey, so what was that help you needed about that ring? <gasps> oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, get, the, get the eagles. Why didn't we use them in the first place? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: So, yeah, the, the ending was very abrupt, and um, the, fact that it, it, the fact that it was just two out of the three movies – just kind of is a is a bad taste in one's mouth. I really wish he could have finished it, but I don't know if I could have sat through a movie that had all three.
2: No, I couldn't have. All three books. Now, here's a also, question.
1: Well, the, the Two Towers was very abbreviated, very much abridged in this movie.
0: Now, I have a question for you guys. If Ralph Bakshi were to somehow get funding today in 2014 to re- to do this final movie, would you want to see that version? <laughs>
1: I would donate a computer to his studio myself <laughs> so that they could do some computer-based um, matting of, of characters and stuff.
0: Well, that's one thing, because if they were to do this again today to, like, finish the saga, you couldn't do a CGI version. You had to have it look and feel kind of like it was from the same movie, but improved, right? Yeah. So, you, I mean, it's, it couldn't just, I don't know, or they could just fix it all up and say, eh, yeah, we, we we learned from our mistakes.
1: I don't know. These are those are all kind of techniques from like a bygone era. So I I don't know. I haven't yeah. really thought about. It. That's a very good question.
0: I guess the world will never know. I would think. <laughs> I, I,
1: it, I would think, and this is my my bottom line for the film. I would think that audiences today would have a really hard time relating to an, an uh, uh, animated return to the King like Ralph Bakshi did the first books.
0: Yeah, I'll agree with that.
1: Just because rotoscoping is is very much outdated. It's not relatable to animation fans.
0: What are you saying about us?
1: Okay, it's not. It, it, it doesn't seem as we're relatable to audiences. We're outdated, and
0: we don't relate to fans.
1: <laughs> we're all washed should... up. That's true.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, strike that, reverse it. Um, but I, I don't know. I just th- I just don't think you would uh, make an impact on audiences today like it did back then. Totally. But you are right. It was a success when it was when it was released in 1978. You know. So I hate to be cynical about it, but I don't know. It would be really weird if he took the exact same techniques and treatment on The Return of the King. Yeah. What would he do for Shelob? Just like rotoscope a tarantula? <laughs> Just have it oh crawling across the gosh. screen? Awesome.
0: <laughs> oh, good times. I
1: hope Ralph actually never listens to this episode. I oh.
0: so- Also, Okay, so speaking of Ralph Bakshi today, we talked about the Kickstarter that he was doing. Um, I was also looking up cells for this movie, because it's my dream to own just a bunch of cells. um, Mostly from Disney stuff, but hey, I'll take a Lord of the Rings one, why not? And so apparently on eBay, he himself racked. Ralph Bakshi, from his own account, is selling a bunch of cells from his films, and there's about ten of them from Lord of the Rings. And some of them are kind of cool, um, you know, with, like, main characters. Oh, really? Yes, yeah, so I'll include the link in the show notes and the links right here for you, Mason. Oh, and, cool. And for just a mere $295, you can own a real-life autographed production cell. I think that if I were to choose one of these, I would choose the one with Saruman and Gandalf kind of in debate. Oh, um, the kind of rock and sock and boppers yeah. <laughs> Or there's one... I would
1: do um I would do Aragorn. Let's see, what's this one of Aragorn and Barmier um in a lover's embrace? Yeah, um, and to me it over looks here. like a
0: side scroll um like fighting game. Like boom, oh yeah, boom, boom. it it's comes complimentary <laughs> autograph. It says and fast and free shipping. All right, so let's rate this movie.
1: Okay, so here's my final rating. I'm gonna do two and a half stars for Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings. Here's why the film definitely succeeds as a, an animated illustration of the lord of the rings but i don't think it's a, effective as an animated film and so while i do think that the use of the heavy use of rotoscoping is while that technique is revolutionary and it it shows the independent spirit of ralph, ralph Bakshi, and and i know that with wizards it was actually a necessity but kind of grew into his trademark it's still kind of weird and it doesn't really work for me and like Morgan was talking about, the the way the characters just don't seem to blend in with the backgrounds uh, kind of hurts the aim of of illustration. You know, even illustrations need to have good design and good composition. And so, uh, from you know from an animation studio, student standpoint, I didn't really like the film. But as a you know as a Tolkien fanboy, I really appreciated a chance to watch a different interpretation of the books from Peter Jackson's. And so, uh, you know, two and a half. It was respectable, but not a not a great animated film, in my opinion. Chills. I hate to be so I hate to be so mad about it. I mean, there were lots of things I did like about it, but
2: I, I know, don't. and I.
1: It just doesn't seem to have aged well.
2: Definitely has not. Um, I I hate being negative at all, and this just makes me sad to say it. But I would probably give it just on the fact that I sincerely doubt that I'll ever willingly watch this movie again. <laughs> Um, I will give it like one and a half stars. And one
1: I, and a half stars. I don't is even know what This your lowest I... rating yet. <laughs> I
2: think this is at all of our lowest ratings yet. Oh, here you,
1: uh, here, here, here No, I've given a two and a half before. I'm pretty sure.
2: Honestly, I, I'm. I'm pretty sure that I gave even the thief and the cobbler. I gave a better score than <laughs> <Hey>. this. <laughs> <It> wasn't <laughs> just
0: completed.
2: I, I, I just. I'm so sorry. I can't even do it. But. I will, like I said before, as, in props to them, it was, it was, I mean, it's something that you spent a lot of time doing and you spent a lot of time and energy trying to f- come up with something. And the fact that you just went out and he went out and just, you know, was a doer. I can give him as a person, a good old four stars. Like I, I appreciate the man, not so much the... The project, but I appreciate the man. Okay.
0: Thank you, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man, I hadn't even given any thought to what I would rate this movie until now. It's all and on you, Morgan. I'm in a bit of a pickle. Um, it's all on
1: you. Save the rating of this film. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I can tell you that I'm not going to go higher than two and a half stars. I, I really was actually invested in this movie at the beginning. Like, I very jarring visuals at the beginning where I'm like whoa, I had to like slap myself to be like, what are you watching? And then, you know, then I, I, accepted the visuals and then I was able to move on and enjoy the story. And I really did like the story for the most part and the characters. And then it hits Moria after Moria. And then it hits the two towers sequences and it's just, Oh, it drags and it's slow and it's not clean. and, and, and they're still, you know, I still get jarred by the visuals occasionally from time to time where I'm like, what, what did I just see? Um and so, man, for that reason I'm gonna go straight in the middle and and give it two stars. It enough said. Enough All said right. two
1: stars. Wow, I was the optimist in this one. <laughs> <laughs> optimist prime is me.
0: So we asked our listeners what they thought, and um, normally we get a lot of response, but this time crickets for the most part. I said, hey, we're reviewing Back Lord of the Rings. What are your thoughts on this movie? And so we only got two tweets back. Eric Faulkner, um, who's one of our friends, he said, his use of rotoscoping seems a little crazy. He uses it more than it should be used with animation. True, <laughs> and here, then your here, here.
1: words have never been said.
0: And then Kimberly Hayner says, "Ugh," <laughs> the the side <laughs> smile face where it's like, mm, not so sure about that. Oh, the mess, smiley, <laughs> <I> smile. <laughs> and that's all we got, guys. So um... I loved hers. <laughs> Awesome. Okay, so now let's go into the mailbag. We did get a few Lord of the Rings emails, and the first one is from Robert L. Hi, Morgan, Chelsea, and Mason. I wanted to thank you for taking the time to read my email and comments on YouTube slash Twitter. It means a lot that you guys reply. I have never seen Ralph Bakshi's version of The Lord of the Rings until now. I am not a major fan of The Lord of the Rings series, and I just got the basics regarding the canon of the world. I found the movie to be as interesting as the live-action version, and the book is very good. But there is something about this film that seemed off. The blending of the animation to the rotoscoped animation makes it look like a really bad version of a live action meets animation movie. I know that during the later part of the 70s and nearly all of the 80s, animation was in the Dark Ages and this movie, I believe, reflects that. I know it deals with grim ideas but the literal lighting of most of the movie I found was really dark and made it difficult to watch without itching my eyes often. Also, this movie was so long, I don't believe I've ever watched an animated movie that was over two hours long before. But at the same time, I really liked that it was so long and was able to cover several if not most of the original themes from the novel i would have found this movie to be more enjoyable if the animation were more reflective of sleeping beauty due to its lighting and medieval time placement i felt that sleeping beauty's animation style would fit this movie very well and it made it even more enjoyable at least for me thanks again for reading my email i hope to talk to you soon looking forward to more videos and podcasts rob All right, thanks, Rob. Our next email is from Eric. Here are two things I have to say about The Lord of the Rings by Ralph Bakshi. One, it does take a while to like this movie if you're not used to the art style. I know I first saw this version in 2000 and did not like it until a few years later. The animation is not for every animation fan. Two, I want to tell you that Audible does have a Lord of the Rings book unabridged by Rob Inglis. I do have The Hobbit narrated by him, and he does a great job. His narrating style is also like Jim Dale from the Harry Potter books. And he does change his voice with the different characters in the books. Thanks again. I'll talk to you later. Eric. Awesome. I didn't know about that. I'm sure Audible has a lot of versions of the Lord of the Rings, but I will be sure to include that version with our Audible link. So if you're interested, you can go to rotoscopers.com slash Audible and you can find that version of the Lord of the Rings audiobook.
2: We always get emails, and there's some fantastic emails, and sometimes we just don't have time to read them. So some of these go a little bit further back. Uh, This one is talking about our Monster in Paris episode, and he says, Hi, it's me again, Joshua. I had a good title for your Monster in Paris episode. Monster in Paris equals ratatouille with less rats because it's in Paris. Also, a little guilty pleasure I want you guys to review. VeggieTales, I want to know your thoughts on an episode or one of the movies. So what do you guys have to say? Like, like to talk about tomatoes, Joshua K. This is actually a funny story. I was at work. Well, this is a couple months ago, but I was at work and then I went out to lunch and I'm just out there and meet my lunch and I, I decide I'm going to sit outside today. And as I'm sitting outside, I hear two guys talking about animation and it's like in a very... Um, production side of animation. I'm like, you don't hear these types of discussions in Nashville. Like, you just don't. And as I, I just couldn't help myself. I asked him. I was like, "Um, who are you? <laughs> like, what do you, what do you do?" It turned out to be the creator of VeggieTales, and I was like, "Awesome!" What? Yeah, because was it
1: Billy Graham? No. Oh. <laughs>
2: Billy Graham's not the creator of VeggieTales.
1: Oh, I've got that wrong. Sorry. <laughs>
2: No, um, and so it was. It was just really cool. I got to talk to him and his friend, who uh, I guess uh, I don't. He was an artist or something, and it was just we had a nice little discussion during my time, as we talked about uh, DreamWorks and what yeah, a whole bunch of stuff. Because DreamWorks actually just bought yeah, yeah, um, big idea, and so
1: well, art. Our- are they going to keep to the original spirit, no pun intended, of the show uh, with the new Netflix series?
2: You know, I have no idea. I he like I said, he was out of it by now. He's like, yeah, I I created it, but I sold, and so I don't do it anymore. So I don't know what they're gonna what they have planned on doing from future episodes of it. But I always liked VeggieTales. Any times that I ever saw it, I haven't seen all of them. But you know, even the ones that I've seen, I've been like, hey, that's cool. So, yeah, that's my vegetals moment.
1: Nice. Larry boy and the fib from outside space. I heard uh, I heard Justin Bieber's in talks for voicing Larry the Cucumber.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Justin Bieber is an abomination now.
1: <laughs> Thus saith Morgan, judgment is decided. Deport him. Deport
0: him. Deport him. <laughs> uh,
1: unclean. Unclean. <laughs> I got a little piece of fan mail here from Billy Lockwood to Morgan Stradling, Chelsea Robson, Mason Smith, and the other Rotoscopers contributors. I'm a big fan of your animation podcast and all of the informative articles you post on the site. I think my favorite episode was the Toy Story episode. Hmm, you have good taste. Mason and the other Rotoscopers, I am impressed with your abilities to quote animation movies, including the Toy Story episode. I'm a fan of animation and currently work for an architecture company in Baltimore. Cool. On the support webpage, there's no link that goes to a PayPal webpage to make a donation. Could you add a link here so I could make a donation to your website? Also, any thoughts on selling Rotoscopers merchandise, like a t-shirt or magnets? Thanks, Billy Lockwood.
2: Billy, you
1: are about to strike gold with that idea. (laughs) I've been campaigning for Rotoscopers t-shirts for a while, and and we've been talking about it, but I think uh, this year we're we're definitely going to get serious about them. But I, I agree about Rotoscopers merchandise.
0: Mason, do you not know about the Rotoscopers contest?
1: What?
0: Oh, it's coming. Rotoscopers t-shirt contest. Calling all artists. Chelsea, in the last episode, had an incredible um, introduction to this. She she made it seem like it, she was the fates from Hercules, and she was announcing <laughs> the, the Rotoscopers t-shirt contest. So, actually, if you go to rotoscopers.com slash t-shirt contest... Um, It will bring you right to the link where you can find all the information about it. The contest is going until the end of April. And what we are going to do is you just send us an email with your design at therotoscopers at gmail.com. And then us three as the hosts will be an executive committee and we'll go over all of the designs. We'll pick our favorites from there. um, And then we will have a fan vote on what should be our very first t-shirt that the rotoscopers do. So wow. pretty awesome, Expected. and then the winner gets a free T-shirt, and and then we'll start selling them on the site.
1: They also get Im- immortality in the halls of exactly. the rotoscopers forever. Songs will be sung of their graphic design abilities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and then yeah, it'd be
0: cool to do other stuff like magnets and and stickers, and I don't know. I guess we'll have to see what how it, how it goes with the T-shirts. I mean, come on. I just saw the other day that the Pokemon podcast, and they've done T-shirts for a long time and merchandise. They're doing custom pillows. And I kid (laughs) you not, I will include a link in the show notes. They're doing custom pillows with their logo, which is like a a purple Pokeball, that you can see on your couch. Yes. Do they get
1: any sales on the pillows?
0: Oh, my gosh. I I I want
2: a pillow and sheets (laughs) that.
1: How would you... Imagine Imagine how cool you will look walking around on campus or at your school or, or uh, you know, wherever uh, with your in your Rotoscopers t-shirt.
0: Oh, and um, for the PayPal address, just go to rotoscopers.com slash support, and there will be a link there um, on how you can donate via PayPal, whatever you want, whether it's 50 cents to $500. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Whoa.
1: Um,
0: there will be a link there. $5 million
2: million. <laughs>
0: I had a link there, and then I accidentally changed the the picture that was there, so it disappeared. And so now there's no way to donate. So that is how you donate. I'm going to read the next one. It's from Mark, who's one of our writers. He says, "Here's a question for a future podcast from Morgan, Mason, and Chelsea. Which famous person who has never done voiceover work before would you want to voice an animated character?"
1: I want Jeff Bridges to do more anime character voices. I, I really him like him as I really liked him voice. as I really liked him as Big Z. A little bit in Last Unicorn. I think there should be more Jeff Bridges. He's got such a cool voice.
2: <laughs> but more he is Jeff already Bridges. done. <laughs> I don't know. Because we're normally so anti famous people just getting an animated character just
0: because you know, it's... Okay,
1: can I can I give you a little help, Chelsea? Yeah. Okay, if you were an animated character if someone oh, okay. made an animated character of you, who would who would you want to voice you? What famous celebrity? Hmm.
2: An animated character of me. Let's see. I have no idea. Well,
0: uh, that Liam. did not help. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. This is.
1: I guess not. because I, I. know. That I've I know if Morgan was animated, I, I know who would voice her. Who? Lady Gaga. Oh,
0: of Lady Gaga. Ah, there you go. It's true. There you go. <laughs> you know, if, thinking about this question, if you would have asked me a few years ago, I would have said I would have loved to have seen Idina Menzel voice an animated character, and that actually came true. Um, I thought she was was super cool. Personally, I think I wish she would have maybe voiced a villain um, rather than Elsa, who's not so much a villain. Um, But other than that, I'm kind of at a loss for who I would want to voice an animated character. More Jim Cummings, that's what I say. More Rob Paulson. (laughs) Rob Paulson's
2: awesome.
1: Jim Cummings? (laughs) I was an animated character. I think I would be voiced by... um, Oh, who's that guy? I forget his name. Tom Cruise? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Has Tom Cruise ever been an animated character? I wouldn't doubt Has he ever it. done voice work for an <laughs> animation? Hey, yeah, if Brad Pitt can do it, I'd, I'd be Andy Sandberg. Andy Sandberg would be the guy who would voice me.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Just because I feel like I have a personality like his. Andy Sandberg, anyway. it is. All right, here we go. Uh, name LXE from LXE Design. Website lxedesign.deviantart.com. They say, Hey guys, I recently found podcasts and fell in love with them over the last few weeks. I listened to practically all of them. You somehow managed to engage the listener in a way that makes one feel like I'm there listening to a discussion between their friends and not a podcast. Well, that is exactly what we set out to do. So good for us. <laughs> At that very kind words, LXE. They continue by saying, I currently study entertainment design in Singapore. And while the primary focus of my classes seems to be on games, it's animation that is the love of my life. I suppose this may be why I'm spending my Valentine's Day with you guys. Homework is even more enjoyable nowadays thanks to your great sense of humor. I just wanted to say thank you for all the great work you do. I will most definitely continue to listen. Take care, and happy Valentine's Day in the least creepy way possible, I swear. Don't worry, we didn't get any creepiness off of that. We think it's very sweet that you're spending your Valentine's Day with us. Yeah, thank you for your kind words. Uh, wow, game design in Singapore—that's pretty um, sweet. I wish I wish I had been. I wish I was a little more game development and design. I, wish I was more game development savvy, so I could do more game design. Because I feel like, you know, I feel like I should know coding and stuff to back up my my love of, of video games. But um, that's really cool. Uh, for me, game design is pretty much animation. Like games are pretty much animation, but scripted. So I I totally respect you for for um, studying games and animation and in games. So I'm actually thumbing through your deviant art right now, and I I see a lot of cool stuff. Your scarecrow lady, I like your little bunny ear sprites, and um, yeah,
2: she's gonna go crazy. Like, oh my gosh. Mason, have you heard about the Addicts hashtag?
1: The, 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 the what? So, okay, has... I feel like I have. I feel like I'm totally out of the loop in this episode. Did you know, there's a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> no. Did you know, there's a hashtag. No.
2: So Did you know now to bring bringing on
1: John Lasseter in the next episode. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> yeah, Morgan better him Pixar. Did other... you know? <sighs> yeah. Come on now. <laughs> You well,
1: that been an arm wrestling.
0: <laughs> well,
2: on Twitter, you can now type in a n i m addicts as a hashtag, and you can—that is for anybody. If you're ever listening to this episode and you're thinking, "Hey, I want to tweet about," this, that's the hashtag you're going to be able to use. And each individual episode will have a hashtag of its own to prove to the world that you made it to the end of the episode. So. Just talking about it in general, you just type in hashtag A-N-I-M addicts.
0: Okay, so this episode's hashtag is going to be hashtag so many miniskirts. Because holy Aragorn. Whoa. (laughs) So thanks, you guys, for listening. I thought this was a really great episode where we t- got to talk about a movie that maybe we wouldn't have watched otherwise, and you may not have watched otherwise. So let us know your thoughts. Be sure to send us a voicemail at rotoscoperscom slash voicemail or 406-646-6575. Let us know what you're thinking about this movie, and maybe if you agree or disagree with some of our opinions, we'd love to hear them. You can also send us an email at therotoscopers at gmail.com. You can find us on the web at rotoscopers.com. That's where you can find all the great news articles that our writing team puts together along with reviews and occasionally interviews for our other podcast, the Animation Interviews Podcast. It's good stuff over there. Obviously, you can listen to us on Hypeable or Animated Views, Stitcher, iTunes, and everywhere where good podcasts are available. We love it when you leave us a review in iTunes and subscribe. It helps support the show more than you know. So, guys, what is our next episode going to be? We have it listed as Balto. Once again, we...
1: I'm totally out of the loop. Let's see.
0: Well, we were going to move on into a dog segment. So we're going to do animated movies with dogs. Ooh. or we Which should... I am really excited about because we've
2: got a couple really good ones on the list. But what's up?
1: Uh, like Balto. Let's do dogs.
0: Dogs. So we're moving on to our dog series. We're going to be doing Balto followed by Up as the user voted episode.
1: Oh, snap. And then freaking love up.
2: I am so excited all dogs go to heaven Yay!
0: all good things all good Sweet. things <laughs> So yes oh, be I sure to... <laughs> be sure to send in your emails or voicemails for those episodes and we'll be sure to include them in those episodes. So again, we're doing Balto up and all dogs go to heaven and hey, maybe we'll do bolts afterwards. Why not? Why not? Also, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Morgan Stradling. Chelsea is at Chelsea Robson. And Mason is at Mason SMTX. <laughs> Until next time, we, we are the Rotoscopers.
1: Rotoscopers. Oh, he's we got stand. these nice man. I have a I have a top 20 priceless gifts from Ralph Bakshi um, prepared. I have a screen recorder and I have a GIF animation generator. Um,
2: Bring it on, dude! So
1: the so the, the rotoscopers will have a a fine clickbait twenty list of twenty blanky blank 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 articles.
0: You gotta click number. You won't believe number five.
1: <laughs> you won't you you know conser- uh, true patriots can't cry without after can't not cry after watching this video. <laughs> 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 Sorry, oh, I hate this. I'm on Fox com a lot. Ooh. I know, they're like, um, oh, what are those things that jump on your back?
0: Ugh, I hate those things, those zombie things. Re- from I'm trying have time, yes.
1: Re- uh. <laughs> and you're like, get off of me! Totally. Um, My eyes!
0: Well, we... The goggles do nothing! <laughs> the goggles do nothing.
1: <laughs> All the more inframor- <laughs> How would you like a pillow in the shape of Mason? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much stupid fan art on the internet. So My Little Pony, stupid thank you for... Art the internet
0: we're doing bot uh, bot it's a combination of Balto and up.